ladies and gentlemen, we are back here, and for a while we haven't done we haven't done any of those UFC uh, event breakdowns or post fight breakdowns or anything. But um, here we are. We have a huge one coming. It's uh, UFC 284 from Perth, Australia. So we have an Australian Aussie fighter, my sister Danielle Dropper Curtis here to help us with the breakdowns and giving you some of those interesting betting props and everything. And, um, you know, you know, this has got to be exciting. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing so good. Happy to be here and very excited about this upcoming card just over a week. Uh, I will be in attendance. So very, oh. very excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great seeing, uh, a, a very historic event in person with the uh, pound for pound number one taking on pound for pound number two for the double champ status and being Aussie. So it doesn't exactly. get better than that. Yeah, there's a lot of pride there and uh, you just said it and I think we I mentioned it yesterday that I don't think this card is getting the attention that it deserves because on paper this should actually be the biggest fight of all time that we've had, but it will Absolutely. not be treated as such. Yeah. Oh, you have no clue how mad I am about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you expressed some frustrations yesterday, but, you know, now's the time to sort of vent. You can vent here if you want. Yeah, I just think it's crazy given that this is, yeah, possibly the most historic event in UFC history. I agree. We have never had pound for pound number one fighting pound for pound number two. We're going for double champ status at the same time. And not only that double champ status of the two most stacked divisions, not mm -hmm. just in the UFC, in in any promotion. They're just two of the most stacked weight divisions that there is, um, stacked with deep, deep talent. Like, And we're, we've got someone, and I just don't understand it, pound for pound number one guy yeah. in his home country and, you know, didn't even lose a single round last year, and he's also the underdog. Makes yeah, no sense. Exactly. But, yeah. And the win streaks, the win streaks on both ends too. Um, yeah, you know, win they've streaks, both massive. Only been defeated once uh, for Volk. That was way longer ago <laughs> than it was for Islam, I believe. Um, That's it. But uh, and at a much heavier weight division too. Yeah, yeah. At at his height, that's 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 crazy. So. <laughs> um, it is not getting the attention it deserves and the promotion it deserves. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that maybe they'll start amping it up now, like Monday when fight week starts and stuff like that. But they should have started like, like ages ago. It's, it's, they kind of left it to the, to the media, but even the media isn't really like doing as much with it as they, sh as they should. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like there, it's so easy. There's so much storyline here. There's so much that you can do um, in terms of hyping this up. There's so many angles you can take and yet, no one's doing it. Um, and you know how many crazy and 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 the, just all the talents that are coming out of uh, both both countries, like out, out of Russia, out of the especially the, the, the Caucasus areas, you know, the Dagestanis and uh, the Aussies as well. They're all coming up, which is very evident on this card when you look at yeah uh, the type of talent that's there. There's a lot of contender series people. Everyone from contender series. It's look. It looks like every Aussie on the contender series is getting a contract now, um, and. Um, it's a testament to how big the sport is getting, but I think when there is less media attention or the U.S. isn't as involved, it's like the UFC almost try, tends to like not give as much attention to those cards, you know, yeah, and, and, and I agree. understanding the size of it, you know, because, I mean, this was off topic like a while, like, when is it, a few weeks ago when I told you I didn't realize how massive Australia is in comparison to the United States because yeah. how it's represented on the world map, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they're almost the same size. Yeah. 
exactly. Which is crazy. Not big. Yeah. But uh, mm, I don't know. Shall we jump into the main event first, or do you want to first? Oh like, no, no, no! Into... Main event should be last. Yeah, I think last... we go in fight order. So I think so we can go. We can roll through the first ones a bit quicker, mm-hmm. and sort of highlight. I think would be good. Uh, Absolutely. So we get the non Aussies out of the way first. You want to get the non Aussies <laughs> out of the way? Well, okay. Yeah. Main, main. Uh, we'll we'll start main card, and then later on we have a little segment where we we would like to also highlight. Give some shine to our favorite prelims and prelim fighters um, that are the most interesting to us. But let's start with well, Jimmy Crutes getting a Jimmy Crutes getting a uh, main pay per view main a main card uh, spot over here. So I guess Alonzo Manyfield, how do you see that one going? Oh, I'm so excited for this one. I'm so excited to see Jimmy Crute back in the cage after um, you know some injuries. So he's just come back from obviously a uh, knee injury, um, pretty significant one. He pretty much had no ACL for quite a long time and he was still fighting with it. Um, I seen him in an interview only earlier this week um, saying that he probably didn't realize how bad it was and how, how it impacted him until now that it's better. He was... Um, He's actually able to sprawl in training now properly, which he hasn't been able to do in a very, very long time. So I think we're going to see a very, uh, a very invigorated Jimmy Crute. Um, and yeah. he's going to be bringing everything. And I think that's part of the reason why we may have seen him in these last few fights. You know, when he, he first came in, he really did mix the wrestling in there as mm-hmm. well as his striking. And we sort of see him uh, not be quite as successful um in his last few and I guess people kind of thought well maybe it's not working as he's facing these harder opponents but everyone may not have realized how injured he really was um Mm -hmm. so I think we may see a bit more wrestling from Jimmy Crute in this in this one uh, mixing that in with his striking and I think he's going to be absolutely relentless because I just realized so because I I thought the Anthony Smith fight where he got injured was his last one uh, I just saw he got TKO'd against okay against Jamal Hill, who is now the current yeah. champion. So we well, see the names he's been fighting. Um, if he's figured it yeah. out, you know, with his injury and all that, um, you know, he yeah. Could... Well, he did get the drop foot in. Um, That's you the know one. the perineal yeah. nerve in yeah because yeah. he was winning. He was he actually... on his way to winning that one, but it, it was like one round only. In I think it was the second round that it happened already, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it it just. But he... then. He he did everything he could. He tried, but um, like there's not much you can do in that scenario. So yeah, and as I said, like um, it, it was like Anthony Smith, who was the backup fighter for the last title fight between Glover and Jamal Hill, uh, and then the loss against Jamal Hill. Uh, so he he has been fighting the top top of of the division. So he he could have a quick rise to the title if he gets it together. You know, absolutely, and I think he just needs to put a few good performances together, especially now that he's back, he's healthy. Um, and the other thing that he said is mentally he's healthier than he ever has been. Um, and like he talked about being quite scared, but probably taking the wrong approach when he fought Jamal. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably going to be another one of those things that's going to be a game changer for him in this fight. So interestingly enough, given that Jimmy has lost his last couple of fights, he is actually, the favorite coming into this fight. So he, right. so I, I'm taking my odds from sports bet. Cause that is one of the biggest, uh, betting 
sides here in Australia. So um, at the well, moment, I have a feeling a lot of Australians are going to watch this. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, the odding yeah. bet the the betting odds um, are influenced by a few things: people's performances, and but also who's being bet on the most um, will also impact that. So yeah. obviously, the Aussies. Uh, that will be impacted, but he's sitting at a dollar forty-one, and Menafield is sitting out at two dollars eighty-two, which is interesting. That's I thought it would have been a little bit closer than that. Exactly, that surprises me a lot because Menafield was tipped to be a huge talent when he came into the UFC. He was like one of those that they thought, like, hey, it could be a title contender one day. Um, but similar now, journey for them both. Yeah, he's had. Um, that's the thing. It's it's a strength of schedule thing. It seems like I think because like I remember like the the last one. Well, he just beat Misha Serkonov, who was kind of on his way out and always like doubtful in between which which weight division he's going to fight in. You know, it was never all that. Uh, before that, he had that guy. Uh, what's his game? Uh, what? Let me see. Oscar. Oh yeah, Mozarov. That's the guy. The the guy who scammed his way into the UFC basically, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he, you know he really made it. He really made it known that he uh, had bad blood against the guy because of that. Uh, and you know he did what he had to do. He TKO'd him and everything. But those are like not not the big names that I think it's like yeah. more of a coming out party or like um, you know home crowd opening the main card. They want the Aussie to get the win, uh, but still it's not an easy fight. You know so. Oh, it's know. definitely not an easy fight. No. Um, and you know these are these are big boys. There's a lot of power there behind both of them. Um, either of them could mm-hmm. could win the fight, and I I just really think that we're gonna see a lot more of Jimmy's wrestling and he has some phenomenal wrestling and yeah. he is able to mix. I think what makes him really good is he's able to mix between the striking and wrestling quite well. And I think that's going to be the tale of this fight um, purely because he hasn't really been able to do it. Like mm. he's been fighting basically with no ACL. So <laughs> yeah, props to him. He's very tough. Um, but Menafield is going to be one of the, uh, like a big test to see where yep. Jimmy's at and if he's tried to rush coming back, which I don't feel like he has, but he's got to test that chin probably. But like at, at the same oh, time, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> test um, what is it? What was I saying? Uh, oh yeah. Alonzo Minifield. He's, um, you know, he, he has that KO power, but he does it for me uh, is low volume enough to, you know, for for Jimmy Crew to be able to like work in that wrestling in a way, you know what I mean. And in terms of betting, when you talk betting, and when I'm betting, usually I like those. What what I like about Jimmy Crew is exactly the way that he knows how to mix things up. Um, you know, has a plan A, B, and C, and it's pretty reliable. So you get get reliability all the time when you want to bet on him. Yeah, and then I would say the other like I think one of the big highlights on this card on this main card is going to be Jack Della Maddalena. Absolutely, he is in getting, his hometown. <laughs> yeah, in his hometown, getting for his first big test, in my opinion, as well. Um, but you know, you can argue he's had a, a mixed bag of uh, opponents that they've given him. They've given him the striker. They've given him the the grappler. They've given him, um, you know, he's been tested in all those areas and has passed it with flying colors, just getting finishes all over the place. Dominant finishes. Just dominant like, finishes, yeah. exactly. Uh, activity, you know, how many fights did he have? Contender series and then three more in, in, in one year, was it? Maybe, and and then, yeah, yeah. well, and, and even like, realistically, he didn't fight that long ago. Um, like, they didn't think originally that he was going to be on this card because he only fought the end of last year. Um, 
But again, as he does, dominant performance. Yep. Finish. Didn't take any damage. First round finish. So everyone always talks about, yeah, everyone talks about how like Chemayev is crazy, took no damage in his, you know, first few fights. I feel like Jack has kind of done the same thing. Um, he's barely taken any damage. Um, yeah, not at all. It's so like, do you want to know the odds on this fight? I Yeah, I'm looking at, yeah, give me the odds. Yeah. Because yeah, here, it's, here it's giving me the American one and I don't understand it quite as well <laughs> <laughs> cool so obviously jack hometown boy he is the favorite so jdm mm. is sitting at a dollar 28 wow. randy brown three dollars 60 now that is huge given that this is possibly jack's biggest test to date that's crazy that is great because he say- was against emiv what was it emiv uh, yeah, I guess Emiv, he was, I think he was less of a favorite. Yes. You know, yep. and I mean, perhaps the grappling there was, was the, was the, the odd factor, you know, like that they were like, okay, this yeah, guy's a really good grappler. Yeah, stylistically, but yeah, no problems. Because Randy has, but, uh, sorry, yeah, continue. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like that's heavily impacted by probably all of Perth getting on board <laughs> and, and probably all uh, putting some money on Jack Della Maddalena. Yeah, so. you know what I'm about to do? I'm about to open my odds and see how the website sites here are, are doing. Um, but again, Madalena, one of my, like when the Contender Series started, like, and I was looking into those those fighters and everything, he was like, for that season, he was like either one or two for me, like top, top, of the top talent that I see challenging for the title one day. And he's really proved it so far. There's no real blemish at all. In fact, I think his toughest fight was actually uh, Angelusa. On the contender series, and and that one went to the decision as well. But that there he showed he could get out of the the submissions. He had a, like he was into some deep submissions. He went out, he got out of them pretty fast. You know what I mean? Um, and so yeah. far he's shown so his incredible boxing because I think he's one of the yeah. one of the top top boxers in the UFC. Absolutely. Like, and that's it. I guess if you were an outsider and you didn't have much exposure, um, you look at his fights and you go, he doesn't really look like he's hitting people hard and yet mm-hmm. they're they're going down yeah or they're going to sleep and it's, and shot, it's because selection, of, shot placement exactly 100 percent. yeah they're just perfect they're mm. he's like a sniper yeah always on the money and then i see the replays i was telling you this yesterday like it's like every he hits a combination where it's like it's almost as if he sees half a second into the future where the where the where the guard's going to be where the blocks are going to be and he just goes around them you know and it's like, uh, f- yeah. Watching him in slow motion is like when you watch Valentina's fights in slow motion when she's doing like the spinning attacks or, you know, and yeah. everything is just perfectly timed and perfectly placed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I suggested poetry in motion. <laughs> exactly. I suggested the people like go, go watch those Jack fights and like play it in half speed at half speed or something like that. And it's something it's a thing of beauty. But uh, we're kind of looking over uh, Randy Brown here, who for me is also like one of those top talents that I can see going really far. So this is a very interesting matchup. And then, you know, the length, what, what do you make of the height difference and the, the, the reach, the reach advantage that, that, that Randy Brown has? Because I think that's going to be the next sort of intention or the next factor yeah. that he has to work against. Yeah, that uh, Jack's going to have to work against. So well, how, how do you yeah. see that making a difference? I feel like on the regional scene, um, Jack's probably had 
maybe a couple of people that were longer than him. So I feel like it's probably not new. However, obviously it may be new at this high of a level um, because it's a game of inches at this level. Um, And we know in every scenario, um, extra reach can always play a role, especially on the game plan. Like if, if Jack can't hit Randy, how's he going to win? So you never know if Randy plays that long game and is moving and evading and just not letting Jack near him, that that he he might be able to pull off a decision. Um, I don't think that, but, but, but that would be the way that it goes. I don't think Randy puts away Jack without playing some or taking some risks. And that's where Jack is the best. If you want to come at him, he's going to be moving. He's hard to hit. And as you said, he just great shot selection. Um, he's going to find a spot to get you. Because you, So you're seeing a – what are you seeing a late finish? don't know. It, or... it depends. For me, it depends what Randy does. If mm-hmm. Randy goes forward – yeah. It may be, it may come a lot earlier if he sits and plays and counters or just trying to keep um, Jack at long reach and moving and is just trying not to, to let him anywhere near him, then yeah, it may come a lot later or maybe a decision. But I think Jack finds a way no matter what to get in there and, and put hands on him, whether or not he puts mm-hmm. him away. Um, we'll see. We'll see how much running Randy does. Exactly. That was, that was, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I I, uh, I agree with you on that one. Like he's probably gonna have to, you know, keep it long, keep it at range, and um, and like hope hope on a decision. I to... haven't looked whether or not they're bringing the full size cage because usually when they travel to That's Australia, they usually bring the smaller cage that they use for the fight nights, um, really? which could impact that. Most of the time, um, I because... think when Holm Rousey came, I think they bought the full size cage. But most of the shows in Australia um, were usually the slightly smaller cage, not the small, smaller okay. cage. But not yeah, the Apex so cage. I don't know. Yeah, not the Apex okay, cage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that could play a factor as well. Mm-hmm. I I would assume, given that it's pound for pound number one and two, hopefully, um, you know, and two title fights that um. They would be bringing the full size cage. Um, Depends what the promotion is trying to get behind. <laughs> if they're really trying to push Islam, they're going to get the small <laughs> cage, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. If they want uh, Islam to win, so, they'll probably give him the small cage. But um, I would assume they're in the full size, full size cage. So right. that would play into Randy's uh, game probably a little bit more, being able to move. Well, again, yeah, excited. Well, I, I see it. So I see, I see it playing that way, playing out that way, and I think, I think. What kind of part of uh, no? I can't. I can't say hope. I have to be unbiased here. So, <laughs> um, okay. Co-main event, huge one. Um, possible Ooh. title eliminator here. Um, Yaya Rodriguez is on All right, our run. I'm gonna start with. Yeah, I'm gonna start with the odds real quick because mm-hmm. I feel like we need to talk about them a little bit with some background after. Um, so interestingly enough, Yaya is the favorite. At a dollar sixty, and we have Josh Emmett out at two dollars twenty-eight. Now I find this fascinating, given that if we look at their last four fights, mm-hmm. Josh Emmett is on a four-fight win streak, and yeah, has two wins, one loss, and one no contest. And that's I it. I find that's that fascinating. Uh, that is pretty fast, especially looking at their record. Well, 
Josh Emmett, 18 and 2. I cannot remember the last time this guy lost. Like, I, I don't know who he lost. I'm about to open a, the topology here, see if my memory serves me. Jeremy Stevens. Oh, sir. Okay. The round two lost to punches. Okay. Round two TKO, yeah. 2018. And when did Yair have that eye gouge thingy? Oh, the eye gouge. No contest. Also ago. against Jeremy Stevens. I think for Yair, it's the strength of schedule again, you know? Um, He's just fought the top of the division. Wait, what is it? Oh, yeah. And he fought Max, which, by the way, was a war. He fought Max. Like, he had a very good performance against Max and lost. And then uh, the the Brian Ortega one, he was <clears throat> he was winning, wasn't he? Anyway, when that shoulder injury happened? Yeah. I guess I so. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was close. You know, you never know. You never know what the judges are going to yeah. say. So, you know, he got, he gets the win over Brian Ortega. But again, we did have that crazy shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. He lost to Max Holloway. Okay. Uh, he beat Jeremy Stevens again, but that was, it was also a decision. Um, and before that was the, the eye poke with also with Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. If we look at Josh Emmett, his last fight, was Calvin Cater before that Dan Ige, mm-hmm. Shane Burgos, uh, Mursad Bektik, and Michael Johnson. So if we look at his last five, oh. all wins. That that Michael Johnson, <laughs> that knockout was and that vicious. was a chaos, yeah yeah vicious, vicious knockout. And mm-hmm. we look at that, we've got knockout, technical knockout. Decision unanimous, decision unanimous, and then obviously the split decision against. I'm very um, surprised about Kater. the decisions, by the way, because the man hits like a truck, and even in those yeah. fights he landed, he landed a couple of big shots. Yeah, like, yeah, I saying? think it's just one of those things with the the judges. Um, unfortunately, sometimes they don't make the right decision, but <laughs> in that in that case, uh, they made the right decision, but one of the judges in, in my eyes didn't get that right. I had Emmett winning that one. What I find really interesting about this fight as well, too, if we have a look at the percentage of the times that, that they have won mm-hmm. when they are the favorite versus when they are the underdog. So they're very similar when they're the favorite. Um, yeah has won 87.5% of the time that he's been a favorite. So he's been rightly the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Emmett's not far behind on 75%, but where it gets really interesting is the underdog. When Yair Rodriguez is the underdog, he only wins 50% of the time. Now, when Josh Emmett is the underdog, which he frequently is, he wins 85.7% of the time. And you know that he's coming with everything he's got twice as hard when he's the underdog. And that's why I think this that's going to make this fight really interesting. Yeah, really I, interesting. This this one I'm looking forward to. Like this is insanity because they both also looked the best they've ever looked. Like the way Emmett's been looking the last two fights, the best he's ever looked. Yeah, years reinvented, and especially since the Max fight, like the, that Max fight, that's I think the best he's looked for me as well in a loss, yeah. which says a lot. Um, and I was saying this. Um, I mean, when I saw that statistic, I think there's a lot more to be said or a lot more credit to be given to the guy that's winning. 85% of the time as the underdog actually absolutely and um, <laughs> absolutely. I don't know how far he uh, let me see the odds here quick uh, Emmett's 2 232 2.32 underdog so that's more than twice your money back 
I would take a stab at it because this man has only lost twice in his in his career. He hits hard. He's hard to hit. Um, and, you know, Yair is known to take risks. So what do we do? That's it. I mean, Josh Emmett can put anyone away. But even if he doesn't put them away, like, he does damage. And damage is the main scoring criteria. Yeah, so, that's the new you know, rules, basically. Yeah. yeah, the unified rules is, well, it's... Impact, which is damage, dominance, yeah. and duration. So, and they don't look at the other two criteria unless they can't determine who's won the round based off of impact, which is pretty much damage. So, you know, I think that's going to be the key thing here with styles. Like, they both like to strike, mm-hmm. they've both got different striking styles, but yeah, probably um, is probably going to try and look for a little bit more volume. And um, he's probably going to have a vast. Uh, array of different kinds of strikes. We know he likes elbows. We know he likes mm-hmm. strikes from different ranges. He's really good with that kind of thing. We know that Josh Emma is looking to put someone down with the right hand. He's also got a nasty hook, um, but he's just quite good with his hands in general. Like he can hurt you with a jab. He can hurt you with anything. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, I think he is going to be looking to, if he can't win the fight and put Yeah away, with a stoppage, I think he, I think his style works well with the judges in terms of scoring and making yeah. sure that he takes a round. Because even against a very decorated uh, striker who Calvin Cater, who was seen as one of the best boxers in MMA, um, he still managed. Where a lot of people think that uh, Cater won. I was on the side of Emmett. Like, I agree with that decision because I think mostly based on the damage as well. I believe, was yeah. it true that Cater, I think, landed more strikes? Uh, yeah, on the Cater definitely, yeah. definitely landed more strikes. And that's where people um, but, had this discussion. Yeah, exactly. But the rules are damage, you know? and Yeah, scoring criteria damage yeah. because that, that's the thing too. You're trying to end the fight. So how do you win a fight? You either hurt someone until they submit or you hurt mm-hmm. someone until they can't respond or are unconscious or the referee has to stop it. Yeah. So what is closest to either one of those? Yeah. Damaging the person and impacting them so that you can see that, that you're taking away their weapons or they're not responding as well. Um, and so being hit heaps of times, but it not really impacting you or doing much damage that's why it doesn't really score that high um, yeah. because you, you can hit someone a hundred times in a round and if they're still standing and they look like they're fine and they hit you with one massive right hand and it drops you to the ground and mm-hmm. okay, you, you might get back up, but it's clear that you've been hurt a lot worse than they have. Those are Generally, like Nate Diaz rules. Basically <laughs> it's like who would win in a street fight. <laughs> and then you point at them and laugh and then lose anyway. Yeah. Lose anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like but that's the thing it's the, the point of the you know the name of the game is you know do your best to win how do you win what's the most definitive way to win is to get a finish so you know pressing the action and i think it's very important for them to promote that too because like half the time there was a lot of bad judging decisions based on like basically where the gray area is is the clinch work when there's clinch work on the cage like is it the person who's controlling and holding the person and like controlling where it happens or the person who's actually doing the most damage for a while it it was really confusing for those uh, you know there was a lot of weird judging decisions based on you know someone doing more damage on the cage but they're the ones being controlled and then that person wins so i think it's also positive for the fans you know it's like fan friendly to sort of 
you know have the person have you know judge it on damage yeah and i think they're they've yeah, been pushing that a little bit more to try to sort of fix a couple of kinks uh, of the many that there are yeah. in judging <laughs> i mean sometimes it's super close mm. and the volume um has done pretty much the same amount of damage as the less amount of strikes that have done damage. You know, there might be 20 yeah. power shots thrown by Emmett and there might be 60 uh, shots that aren't aren't as heavy, haven't done individually as much damage by year, but they end up being the same. And then you look at those other criteria. Then you're looking at who's controlling the action. Then you're looking at who's dominating the, the action. You're looking at you know, all those other bits and pieces. So that may be mm -hmm. who's holding who against the cage or who's on top of who in the controlling position or who's dictating when they actually interact and strike mm -hmm. um, because that is part of it. And that is part of like those Max and Volkanovski fights where people are like, well, Volkanovski is going backwards. Yes, but if the, if the damage is the same and we are looking at those other bits and pieces of criteria, who dictates where the fight happens is actually the one um, who's being more dominant, not mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're going forward or backwards, if you're going backwards, but then you dictate when you start to, to, um, actually have that piece of action. Well, you're actually dictating where the fight happens. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, if you're taking someone down and like, again, this is only if you can't tell who wins because the damage was similar. If you've taken someone down and you're holding them there, if neither of you done any damage or the damage is the same, well, you're dictating where the fight's happening. Yeah. So you are winning. But again, we only look at those things if we can't determine the winner already. It is the damage. It's like the final deciding factor. It's like that third judge, you know, <laughs> that that thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's got to be a way. Like, th that's pretty much what they would have had to do in the Carla Rose fight because there was no damage from either of them. So yeah. they had to look at the other scoring criteria. And, 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 and that, I think that's really important for fighters too, is to understand how to win. Because yeah. if like, especially when you get to that elite level, you can't like, you can't always put someone away. It no. just may not happen. Um, so you should really understand the, the judging and scoring criteria so that you know how to win. Because imagine if you rocked up to a sport and you didn't actually know, what you had to do to win. Like you rocked up to basketball and were like, oh yeah. Um, so I just like, I, I launched this at people like dodgeball and that's how I score. Right. Like, yeah. Which is like, yeah, it's, 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 it's how, yeah, yeah. how it's been for, for a while for some people though, like in, you know, for close fights, especially you just don't know what to do to win. You know, sometimes it's like, that's it. Like don't leave it in the hands of the judges when they used to say that at least, now there's I mean, a little bit more yeah. clarity in a sense to be, you know, which I mean, there still isn't 100% clarity, but, you know, at least there. And there's yeah. those environmental factors. And like at the end of the day, the judges are people and they will have different opinions and they will interpret the scoring criteria slightly different mm -hmm. and they'll have different angles of seeing the fight. So they may not see something that happens. Um, they may be hearing it from different sides. So it may sound worse. Um, and the other thing too we need to remember is that not all judges and the majority of officials probably haven't ever had fights. They may not have um, competed in any martial art before um, mm -hmm. and they may think that, you know, a jab hurts more than a leg kick and I 
can tell you I would much rather be <laughs> jabbed in the face um, than yeah. pop a big, nasty leg kick. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing too, that sometimes those things, um, like especially the thudding leg kicks, um, may not sort of register with them. I just had the the camera lost your camera for a second, but I still have the audio, so it's fine. That's all right. That's all right. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll fix that back up one second. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I just think um, it's one of those things. So I was gonna ask you as well, like, so if you if you're you're in a fight and you know it's a really really close fight and you're in the last round and it's just like you're halfway through the round, you know, it's you know you feel the finish isn't gonna happen. Like, what what are some things that you're doing to make sure to sway the judges? Like, what are some of the things that you try to consciously do as far as you can get your brain to think about those things at the moment, you know? So, are you talking, like, walking out for the third round? Let's say you're, like, the beginning of the third round. Like, you were, like, a minute or, or a little bit further into oh, the in third round. Oh, in between rounds? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, throughout, and you're, you're just realizing, like, this finish is just not going to happen, and it's a really close fight. Like, what are some of those things that you can do to sway the judges that you, you know, do you ever... Uh, yeah, I well, I mean, like, we definitely think about it. I definitely thought about it probably in uh, my my uh, rematch last year, um, walking out for the third round in a really, really close fight. Um, and I think about that and go, I need to do damage. I need to throw caution to the wind. If it's close and I'm not 100% certain or, you know, even if I think that I'm winning, I need to make sure that I take this round. And, I mean, you've only got those few minutes left. It's the last round. Mm -hmm. Let's not worry about not taking damage because if you're just worrying about not taking damage, then you're probably not taking the risk to to actually damage your opponent. Um, And you you need to go with what you're good at. You need to not worry about their game plan. You need to just go with what you're good at. You need to get some damage. So if that's, you need to take them down, cool, take them down, make sure you do damage. Cause Mm -hmm. I feel like something that people uh, probably don't think about enough with some of the, the grappling heavy guys, you need to be doing damage. So if we look at Khabib, Earlier on in his his UFC career, he almost lost a fight. Not because he couldn't wrestle. He was still a phenomenal wrestler. The problem was he was just wrestling. Yeah. He wasn't doing damage. Um, and almost losing that fight is what shaped him into the fighter that he became, where he made sure not only did he take people down, he either finished them with submissions or he was ground and pounding. And Rolling. that's why he went on that. He, yeah, he went on that sort of like string of fights where one, he realized it was the way to ensure that you, if you don't stop them, you will win a decision. No problems Two, it's easy to break people when you're smashing their face in, but they also can't get up and three, it's exciting. So he was getting a lot more attention, yeah. um, but it took him almost losing a fight in the UFC to realize, Oh, I can't just wrestle. I actually need to make sure that I, wrestle to a position where I can do damage. You see and that I think a lot. that's, yeah, yeah. Saying, like you see that a lot with fighters who just like uh, came off a robbery or like perceived that they want to fight. And like, I mean, in a way, uh, well, Chito Vera kind of like is, is an example for me. Like he, he's been robbed a lot for me, like especially since that Yudong fight. He's just been getting yeah. like finish after finish after finish. And without high volume, he just knows 
it's crazy. Like he just knows where to hit the person, you know, and and he he knows he'll find and that he's shot. Motivated, motivated, motivated to get yeah. those finishes as well. Sitting on every shot, yeah, exactly. Because even and that's it. Like, and it it quite often doesn't come until a little bit later for him because he likes to feel out his opponent. Yeah, get a read on them. Mm-hmm. You know, he might hurt them. Like he, we've seen him hurt people mm-hmm. and then not rush to yeah. finish them. Yeah, because he's like, no, it'll come. Like I don't, I'm, I don't feel threatened. I've, I've got it down now. I know what they're doing. And just like that, yeah, like, th- but, but the Rob Font fight, and uh, there he like dropped him or like hurt him several times. Uh, even though he was losing on volume, like he was getting hit a lot. But, but his his shots were effective. They're the, they were the, the significant ones that were dropping him, and there was no dispute for anyone who was winning that fight anyway. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Alrighty, shall Let's we get to the big it. ones? Let's do the big one. The big one, the big one. So we I have. Think, yep. I think it's also going to be interesting. I just want to mention that we have the interim title fight. So we mm-hmm. will get to see how these two, whoever wins, exactly how they go about it, how much damage they take, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be the same timeline for them as it is for Volk to turn around and have a match with them. So I think it's an interesting dynamic to have them all there at the same event, getting ready, fighting to then, you know, know that they're going to be fighting each other, whoever it is, they're going to know who their next opponent is That's straight it. away. Yeah, That's interesting. It. Mentally, I-, I feel. Featherweight title is not on the line. Featherweight. So, inter- so that's where, you know, no. that's where they know that who's who's uh, who they're fighting. Sorry, who's yeah. fighting Volk <laughs> after or if Volk's going to have a rematch yeah. with uh, Islam, you know? Because I assume yeah. if uh, Islam... Um, if Islam gets beat, I don't, there's a rematch clause, I assume. I don't know if, there, clause, I don't know like, if that happens. I don't know if don't that happens so? because he only just won the belt. Hmm. But like if he if he had already defended it four or five times, absolutely, hundred percent. But if a guy from a smaller division comes up and beats you, I don't. And if, as long as it's convincingly, <laughs> if it's a split decision, maybe. But I don't think I don't think so. Like if. If Bolt goes out there and beats Islam, I don't think there's any reason that the UFC would put on another event for that rematch. You know, because like there's, I... there's 155 is so deep with talent and other people waiting in the wings to jump on that title fight. Like I just, but... he's only he he hasn't defended it yet, so. I mean that 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 is true, but I mean at the same time, people can argue that he didn't deserve that title shot. I mean now in hindsight, he he won it. Like he, he you know he dominated uh, Charles, but um, he wasn't supposed to be there. Honestly, like who's 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 had this um, beat that level of competition that Islam has beat, and then went for a title fight. Let's skip basically how many ranks. To go up, like the highest ranked fighter he uh, fought was. Um, I don't know. That. I feel like there's a few people that have done it. You know, but regard regardless, um, I just think if he gets if he loses, I don't see why they would give him an immediate rematch. Hmm. They might That's give him another shot, like they might do someone else, and he might have to wait, and he might not have to fight someone else to get back to having a fight um, against Bulk. But that division is so stacked, like. If you look at all the champions who have lost the belt, mm-hmm. tell me which one of them have had a, had an immediate rematch that you can remember, because the division is so deep. That's true. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. I'm sure there is though, isn't it? Like and you, anyway, yeah. 
no, not recently. Not recently, no. Not and, recently. Well, maybe the, you're you're probably right that they because uh, I'm looking at his uh, record now, Islam's, and I think there is no. I mean, Dan Hooker was ranked, but he was he came from featherweight. Oh no, wait, he was lightweight actually. He went down to featherweight. No, he was light. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was ranked, but he was yeah. on, on. He was a little bit. I don't know what his ranking was. He was top ten though, but I don't think like yes, at least but, he, he, but he fought Islam on short notice. Remember. He, yeah, yeah, he, he did as well. fought him on on like a week and a half, two weeks yeah, or, or exactly. whatever. And so, it was across the so world, you know. That's not fair. <laughs> like, no. So he needs. <laughs> you you to... can't take the hooker fight as yeah. So if he loses, if he loses this one to Volk, I would say um, finally give him give him like a, a ranked opponent again. Uh, don't give him the immediate rematch because at the same time, you know, because the UFC wants to promote him, they know they have a cash cow uh, in Islam for like uh, within the Middle East, within uh, Russia. Um, yeah, and you don't want him oh, to lose twice a in a row. Following, yeah, yeah. like don't yeah, throw yeah. him back into that immediate rematch. Get him some fights that are good names, good ranked opponents, and you know work 100%. him up up there again. You know, so um, so us talking about this means we are giving Volk a pretty pretty significant chance of of, of winning, like at least a lot more than the odds suggest. So, all um, right, do you want the odds? I want to hear the odds <laughs> first. Yeah. <laughs> The odds first, and I think this is absolutely outrageous. And for every Australian out there, bet your house, bet your firstborn <laughs> um, on Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, <laughs> Islam, pound for pound number two, the current lightweight champ. He's a favorite. Sports bet, we've got a dollar twenty-three. I got now the pound for pound. Now the pound for pound number one in the world, the current featherweight world champion. The guy that didn't lose a single round in all of 2022, um, and he didn't just have one fight, <sighs> he is out all the way at, oh, it hurts me to say this, $4.05. He is the longest odds on the card. Tell me, well, how is this possible? Uh, as a betting man, that makes me happy. <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, whatever money I have left after this U USA trip, like I am putting it on there <laughs> to try to make it back uh, and to try to move back. You know, like, so uh, I don't understand. So I thought Islam, I'm always betting against him. So I'm always losing because I always like doubt if you haven't fought, you know, a ranked opponent, as I said, that, you know, um, I'll always take a shot against you when whenever you level up. But fair enough. Um he proved a big point, being the bigger guy, first of all. Um, you know, size obviously makes a difference here. Um, and just the dominance in, 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 in the wrestling that we've seen at those higher, at that higher weight class, and especially the way he dominated and submitted Charles. Who submits Charles these days? You know, that, that, that has something to, say, to be said for it. But these odds are long like this is just absolutely ridiculous. especially the way that uh volkanovsky dealt with the deep submissions he was in against the uh, against the against brian brian ortega so that's it all right so i have something i have to bring up before we get into game plans mm -hmm. um and i i can't believe no one's talking about it so um every time we see a fight in the cold weather, people talk about, oh, how's this going to impact them? Every time we see a fight at altitude, we're like, oh, how's the altitude going to impact this fighter? Um, no one is talking about how the weather in Australia 
is going to impact Islam. Now, yep. let me give you a little bit more info on that. They are going to be fighting in Perth, in Western Australia, some of the hottest part of Australia. Now, Australia is very hot. We are in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. That's what people now, misunderstand. Now, for, it to, for it, it to be prime time in the US, they will be fighting it from morning right through to afternoon here in Australia. Now, if they were fighting in Sydney, if they were fighting in Melbourne, cool. They would be fighting at around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They are fighting in Perth which means they're going to be fighting at about midday, which is the hottest part of the day. Jesus. And Australia is very unforgiving, dry heat. Um, and if you haven't experienced it before, let me tell you, it is harsh. It is not like Thailand. It is not like Abu Dhabi. There is no humidity um, in, in the really dry parts of Australia. Um now it's going to be inside a sold out arena. Yes, this is a brand new RAC arena. I'm sure it has aircon. However, you're still fighting in a sold out arena in the middle of the day in Australia in the middle of summer. Amongst Tell, how many? How many? And, what's the capacity? <laughs> yeah, well, thousands and thousands, thousands of people of, of, of crazy or loud Aussies were. Because yeah. Volk, Volk has never gotten the uh, appreciation abroad that he uh, has back home. And um, he still dominates whenever the crowd is against him, you know, because, I mean, it's not his fault that he's fought the fan favorite in Max like three times. So obviously, you know, and, and if you never fight That's him in it. Australia, you're just not going to get the appreciation. This time you have an, a, a fired up Volk <laughs> with his home crowd, <laughs> you know, like the first time he has a main event in front of his home crowd, is it? So that's going to add something to there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. And we look, we know that Islam has been out here for, you know, a couple weeks. Cool. He's acclimatizing. But I mean, he just came from the snow. Right. <laughs> that That's a big, that's a big change. That's a big change. That is a big change. I'm sorry, but sitting in a sauna where there is, uh, again, humidity is not the same as fighting in the dry heat. So I just like to say, um, when Chael Sonnen starts talking about this after you drop this during the week in his next video, that he better give the drop bearer a shout out for bringing out the point that's going to be his next video. We're going to keep Why is no one talking about this? Yeah. Let's tag Chael. Everybody, let's tag Chael. I'll put let's this tag Chael. Out. We get all your fans in here too, like commenting, and um, <laughs> he's going to do a video about it. Then we talk shit about it. So, <laughs> but Yeah, and is, so I think yeah. how that's going to impact is that, um, look, Islam may not feel it to begin with, um, and if he manages to put Volk away early, cool. I don't think anyone puts Alexander Volkanovsky away easy or early. Um, mm -hmm. And for that, I think we may see as the fight goes on, the longer it goes, obviously, I feel like it becomes more in Volk's favour. However, I think we may see the impact of the climate on um, Islam uh the further that the fight goes on. And we may see him look more tired than we have ever seen him look before. Because to be honest, we probably haven't seen him look very tired before. So I'm going to be super interested to see how that plays out. I'm also interested in seeing like uh, how he how he deals with the, with the height difference, you know? Because like, 
Uh, when I think about like his when it, like Drew Dober was a uh, was a little bit on the shorter end, but Thiago Moises was definitely shorter, uh, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, those are people he struggled in finishing at least when when, you, when we're talking about finishes. Like they managed. Hey, to when you got no bit. neck, it's yeah. very hard to show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> little, yeah. Like they can get it. They can find those crevices and move on the ground. Um, they only need to find that tiny bit of space when they're when they're small, and they're usually fast too. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Like it's uh exactly like those are those are those stockier opponents that 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 he's just had trouble with and I think I've always thought like as soon as they made this matchup I was like height wise it's it it might work in Volk's favor <laughs> in a way you know like again uh, wrestlers yeah well say, Volk's yeah the shorter opponent even in his in his own division mm-hmm. so I mean it's not much difference for him if we look at the height of Islam and we look at the height of Max Holloway. Islam's not any taller than Max Holloway. So no. this is a common scenario for for Volk, probably less of a common scenario for, for Islam. So. And I want to go, like, again, mixing both factors, the size and the climate, weight cutting. Because Islam it doesn't have the easiest cuts. He always makes weight, but, you know, he doesn't have the easiest cuts. So... How is that? How does that play a factor? Usually, like when you're when you're cutting a lot of weight and uh, the climate's like the way it is in Perth right now, and you're not used to it. Like, how does that impact someone? Absolutely. Um, and and I think also the fact that is uh, everyone's thinking, oh well, Volk's come up a division, so he's not cutting weight. I can assure you, he's cutting weight. Yeah. <laughs> the he, him and the fight dietitians and and their team have done, you know a lot of work from the moment they knew that they were going to be doing this. Um, so I don't think Volk's going to be undersized um, or as small as what other people probably think. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely it'd be interesting to see because cutting weight is one thing. Rehydration for, for Islam, if he's not doing it right. Um, and even if he does it right, I still think he's going to feel the impact if he doesn't get, the fight over and done with in the first round he's really going to feel it he's going to feel that australian heat and that's going to be something that he probably hasn't really experienced too much before mm-hmm. um obviously he's a great fighter and i'm sure he can push through anything um but i just think it will impact him mm-hmm. physically like the, yeah it's not it's not the mental side it's you know because the mental side is always in check for these guys and those dagestanis you know their their discipline is on another level but um it's just like also what what happens when you've been faced with the most adversity that you have faced you know so far in your career um and then you have all those factors those external factors like the crowd and everything against you like how do you deal with that like we haven't seen those kinds of tests yet with islam you know like it's 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 been a little different level of competition. You're fighting the pound for pound best now, you know. For for who, by the way, weight's never been a factor, really. Like he. he well, still... I I kind of feel like he's also underestimating Volk. Every time I've seen him in an interview, he's like, "Yeah, well, you're small, and Australians don't know how to wrestle." So yeah, you know, like everything, he seems too casual and laid back. I know that's who he is, and he's very sure of himself, and he trains incredibly hard, and he should be confident, and he should be sure of himself. But it does have that vibe that he's looking past Volk, going, "Oh well." just going to have a fight with this midget and then, you know, yeah. fight the next person. Like which that's kind of me, how it seems. It reminds me of the way a lot of opponents talk, talk about him, you know, like a lot of absolutely. And do you think what, how about, cause Volk's improvement has been the, one of the most rapid improvements I've seen, you know, um, he went from 
I, I was doubtful that he would beat Max the first time, you know. And uh, even after the first time, I thought Max would beat him the second time. But what he's shown since then has been like he like leaps and bounds above like what I used to see before that first Max fight. And it's 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 I don't know like people there's recency bias, but there's also when when fighters are looking at other fighters and their opponents, there's like oh. There's also memories of like those past fights, and they look at those past fights where he wasn't as good as he is now, and look at those weaknesses, I guess, right? So, yeah, there could be a but, bit of uh, yeah, yeah. He's got a couple of things going for him too that probably uh, change the game. Like he's obviously getting better every time we see him. Now he does that because of the athlete he is, and we've also seen him make changes and adapt mid-fight. His fight IQ is what makes him so good. But also his team, the, the team themselves have a great fight IQ. They look at the opponents, they break it down, they have a game plan, they have a second backup game plan, they have a third, fourth, fifth. Like it's very clear. They go, this is what we think is going to work. We're going to do that. But in case that's not working, let's make sure that we, we've got all these other potential things that we're going to be able to do as well. So if A, B, C doesn't work, we've got all the way through to Z and then the next the next one after that. And um, his team are so good at that, um, so good at also going, well, what's this guy good at? How can we emulate that? Oh, we'll bring in Craig Jones. We're bringing other people to, to wrestle and grapple. I actually feel like – so in my mind, Islam has to beat Volk early and – Usually the Dagestanis are so good and they're so relentless and they break people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Alexander Volkanovsky can be broken. Not mentally. Like, sure, anyone can be broken physically. Mm-hmm. I don't think mentally you can break that man. And we've seen him in some incredibly crazy positions, in some crazy fights. We've seen him down at the beginning of, you know, the second Max fight. Um, mm-hmm. And he, you know, he never broke mentally. Um, he never broke under the pressure. You know, when he was in those submissions with Brian Ortega, he was like, I am not losing this. And I think that's going to be something different um, that Islam hasn't faced. Um, And I think then that's also going to work in Bulk's favor that he's able to then adapt as the fight goes on. Okay. So you think the adaptability, the many game plans will obviously favor him in a five-round fight? Uh, which gives him more than enough time to sort of adapt to that game plan if he can survive, you know. Um, so That's it. fight goes to a decision. Who do you see? You see, you see Volk winning. Well, no. I feel like this is us talking. Like I feel like this is similar to what we we're talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. We need damage. Yeah. Volk lands a few decent shots before getting taken down. If Volk is constantly moving, trying to get back up trying to do something. And I, I honestly think we'll see Volk throw up, um, like if Islam is getting him down, I think we'll see Volk throw submission attempts up. That, wow. That's not something okay. he usually does. Yeah. I'm calling that I think <laughs> we will see that because he, he's he been working with Craig Jones for a while, but he hasn't needed to use that game plan because, based on the people that he has been facing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get put in a, a crap position, often um, throwing up a submission attempt is usually like, even if you're not looking to finish the submission, it's a way to create space or create a reaction to be able to get up. 
to be mm. able to move, to get maybe a sweep or to be able to go to another position. Um, I, I think we might see if we get into those scenarios where Islam has him down, um, Volk will obviously try and get back up, but I it wouldn't surprise me if we do see some submission attempts or at least one or two, even if they're not fully to, to submit, but to create that yeah. reaction to use that opportunity to get back up. And also to get Islam thinking, basically, and instead of like working on his own submissions, now he has to defend, you know, exactly. which nobody's really been able to do. But that goes to his squeeze. Everyone says he has this ridiculous squeeze and they only understand what it is once they faced him or trained with him. Um what makes you think that Volk can get out of that if he gets in one of those positions where, you know, Brian Ortega, because against Brian, he did say he was almost out. He was almost out and then he got out of it. Like he was like, I mean, he was almost uh, choked out. He was saying it was it was tired. It was tired. Yeah. yeah and his, it well, was that, going dark, you know. Yeah. But that's the thing, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, you won't break him mentally. He will fight mm. till his last breath. Um, yeah. And so Islam has to finish him if he has one centimeter mm -hmm. one more breath he will he will fight till the end um so i think with the fact that he can adapt like he would have been training specific things mm -hmm. to defend to get back up to move whatever it is but i think he also learns he's not going to keep doing the same thing so where he goes okay this is what islam's really good at it's the body lock mm -hmm. This is how I can break the body lock. I think he's trained that a million times, but he's also probably trained seven different ways so that he doesn't go, okay, this is how I escape it. And then Ism goes, oh, okay, that's how what he did. So I'm going to do the body lock again, but now I'm going to do this instead. I mm. feel like, you know, I feel like that plays into, into Volk's sort of game that he usually does. He doesn't usually keep doing the same thing. And I feel like um, he's also probably going to come out at Islam a little bit more than maybe some of his prior opponents have. Um, and like I said, we can get a decision win uh, just by making sure you get damage done. And if you're throwing up sub attempts, you're moving if Islam can't solidify a position, he can't do damage. He can't ground and pound. He can't do yeah. submission. So that for me is the key is get for, for Volk, if he's going to end up winning a decision, is get some damage done, even if it is on the, the ground or whatever, but we want to see hopefully standing. It would be mm -hmm. nice if he could knock him out. That'd be great. Um, but there'll, there'll be openings. If he, yeah, yeah if, if, if he can make it hard to be held down, it's very hard to also do damage in those positions. Like mm -hmm. even when you're the guy on top of the guy on the bottom is constantly moving and you're having a hard time holding them down. Like and you don't want to take away one of your posts or one of the things that's helping hold someone down to punch and then they yeah, get back up. Yeah. 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 And that's what, yeah. And just, again, like the, the body shape and everything, I think plays a factor, makes it a lot easier for him to escape, you know, with, whereas like it's, it's harder to, it's, it's easier for Islam probably to hold down people more his own height or taller, you know, taller opponents. So especially cause he would get his hips underneath it, yeah, uh, it's the, the taller hip, exactly. opponents, but Vol Volk's shorter Volk's hips are going to be lower. Mm -hmm. He can drop his weight too, even, um, in those, you know, dominant positions, he, he's still probably going to make it really difficult. 
and, like, and, and probably yeah. again like when you say like the crowd influences the the judges as well like don't forget like every little bit of damage every little little action that Volk's doing I'm expecting a big roar from the crowd that might influence the judges as well like Shasta might not be as hard are gonna get a big pop and you know those are all factors that again I hope the odds don't change like within the before I bet them but you know and before this episode drops <laughs> but um four to one is insanity to me i'll be i'll be looking forward to hearing someone in the crowd yell out something outrageous because almost every time i've been to a ufc event someone in the crowd when it's like dead silent has yelled out something and then you just hear the australian crowd like you can hear it on the replay uh just start pissing themselves laughing so you'd probably be familiar with the one where a guy yelled out kick him in the dick yes. during one of sam alvey's fight yeah it was like, and then both, both acknowledged it <laughs> And they both acknowledged it and yeah. they were laughing and they had yeah. to take a second and then retouch gloves and go, yeah, okay, let's start fighting again. Well, there was another time. Um, it was another Sydney event. It was just a UFC fight night. And this was quite a few years ago. Um, you know, I guess before it was a little bit more mainstream and you sort of had a big variety in the type of people that would go to the mm -hmm. events. It was still like barely any females a lot of sort of gym bro guys and, and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And this particular event was on in Sydney the same day as Mardi Gras. And oh. also this was back when Mardi Gras too, again, similar kind of thing. It wasn't an everybody thing, like not as many everybody um, would go. It was more still when it really was the people who were, um, you know, of the LGBTQ like uh, population. It didn't have as much of the um, non-LGBTQ people uh, they're supporting. So you had these two very, very different uh, populations of people flooding Sydney on the same day. And um, <laughs> there was a fight on and nothing much was happening. We're about a minute in and they were still kind of like walking around the cage, feeling it out you know, faking, fainting, nothing's been thrown and someone just yells out, the whole place is dead silent. And this guy yells out, that's it. I'm going to Mardi Gras. And everybody <laughs> just lost it. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you can't hear the guy on the, on the uh, replay, but you can hear the crowd just start laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see that happening when the crowd goes a little bit silent. If Islam has a bit of success, like in the takedown, he's holding he's holding Volk down and then it gets silent a little bit and then someone starts yelling something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it always happens. Always happens. There's yeah. always something funny that gets said. Well, you got to keep me posted on the night while you're there. And um, Absolutely. you're going to be seeing the action. Where are your seats at? Are they like, how far? They're, they're kind of near where they walk out but in the Ooh, sort of like nice. as they're starting to get raised section. So, you know, usually where the camera, where yeah. they walk out and then people like hanging over the edge and stuff. Yeah. So like kind of along there somewhere. Perfect. I don't 100% know because I haven't been to that arena before. So it's new obviously it's brand new and it's in Western Australia, which is the other oh. side of Australia to me. Yeah, going so, all the way there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, I should have pretty good tickets. So Amazing. pretty good seats. So yeah, it's going to be so good. I cannot wait. That's and uh, heading to Eternal the night before um, to watch one of my teammates fight. So Shout him out. Who is it? Uh, Neam El Chapo, Stephen. He's, uh, he's fighting. If you've watched any of the Eternal MMA, which is the Australian uh, promotion, you can one. see them. Yeah, you can see it on UFC Fight Pass. His last fight was an absolute banger. Yeah. Um, 
so and yeah, I love really the crowds. excited to see him back in there. I love the crowds on Eternal too. Like, you know, I watch them whenever you whenever you fight or whenever you like tell me to watch it, and uh, you're like, oh, you have to watch this fight and that one. I'm like, yeah, man, for the for the, for a regional show, like, I, I like the crowd. It's really interactive, so it's a good show. Yeah, good show. Australians. When they when they actually go to a fight night, they generally get involved and and yeah, you can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very vocal. That's and that's what we're expecting. We're expecting a huge event again, like what we think on paper should be like the biggest should be considered the biggest fight of all time in MMA. And um, well, I hope it, the event starts getting the attention it deserves right now. So I, I just want to point out one thing. Uh, okay, so. Method of victory and round. Oh yeah, let's look at some prop what, bets. What, what, what do you reckon, Alexander Volkanovski via dis, via submission in round five would get you? <laughs> I mean, oh man, that would be like. That You're right. It would like be a pretty 80, big. It be like it would 80, be 80 to big. one or something. A <laughs> hundred and twenty-six dollars in round four <laughs> or round five. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, um, there's a reason ooh. the odds are that high too for that one, but that's like, that kind of thing is worth 10 bucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why not? I mean, it's worth a dollar. I wouldn't surprise me. Like I might put a dollar on around four or around five uh, submission by Volk. We've got I some interesting know. ones in there. Um, I'm going to look at them here too at the same time while you bring them up. Yeah, so just if we just run through the method of victory, as always, a draw is fifty-one dollars. Um, Markashev by KO or TKO, five dollars and seventy-five cents via points, three dollars eighty, and via submission, two dollars forty-five. So the betting odds are that he's going to win by a submission. Obviously, we have Alexander Volkanovsky via points as the shortest odds at five dollars ninety. Mm-hmm. Via KO or TKO at $10.50 and via submission at $21. That's the one I want. The That's the one you by, want? By TKO. <laughs> I actually think the best value bet on there is Alexander Volkanovsky uh, via points mm-hmm. or submission for $4.90. You would take that. Okay, points or submission. Yeah, okay. Um, Points okay. or submission. You really There's seem also, to you have faith in like if it's going to be a finish for Volk, it's going to be a submission for you, is it? No, no. I just think it's a good value. It's just a good value. Um, we've got, we've got. Well, we've got. Because what about so the the, so, ca- the the KO or points is only four dollars ten. Four dollars ten. It's okay. So mm. if we've got Islam by submission or points, it's only dollar fifty-four. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. If, well, makes sense based on the betting odds outright, you know, for the for the winner. So. But yeah, I'm it, interested. Yeah, that the the KO or submission is also really short uh, at a dollar seventy-eight. Because so, I know we just finished breaking down this fight, but I it's like the the way. It, the reason I see a KO being set up is just I think the leg kicks are going to be such a big factor in this game, in this match. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you take away that lead leg, it's hard to wrestle, it's hard to grapple. It's, I think yeah. he's going to go after it like, early and like hard as well, but like 100%. while maintaining his distance, you know, jumping around and make him think twice. Make him, you know, because 
and and that's going to end up setting up sort of that big shot i think when he when he thinks maybe if something low is coming and then he's going to start swinging up high and islam's been yeah, knocked out yeah. before or flash knocked down before and it was i think early stoppage but whatever he's been knocked down his chin has been tested well, maybe you'll be interested in a a volk in to win in round 4 or a volk to win in round 5 it's paying $41 so oh. if you're interested in a finish late in the fight yes it would probably that's be late a pretty good you odds know, he's yeah, putting money in yeah. the bank early on yeah. yeah, I see it happen. For, for Islam, it kind of just goes round one, we're in the $4, round two, we're in the six, uh, round three, we're in the $8, four and 12, um, round five and 15. So it just obviously favors a, a quick finish for him. Um, but Volk, it's sitting pretty heavy. If you can call what round he's going to get a finish in. All of them are paying well. The the shortest odds are twenty three dollars. So, I mean, oh, so, forty one dollars so, for round four or five. So I'll put ten dollars uh, on each round, basically for him. To yeah, win. yeah. Uh, you know, end up making money if he ends up finishing the fight. So, yeah. I mean, true. so basically, what we're telling everybody is uh, betting on Islam is just not worth it, really. <laughs> well, I mean, you just don't make much money. Yeah, There's not much of a return on there. And, I mean, if you think Islam's going to win, that's cool. Put your money on there. But um, you're not going to make much in return even if he does win. Um, so, it's, it's weird because, I mean, like, that's how betting works. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and the, the weird thing is that, like, as much as, like, I see all these factors in, in Volk's favor and I know he, he's the pound-for-pound pound best and stuff. Why does, like, inside of me still uh, thinks, like, he Islam is rightfully the favorite? You know? I don't. I don't. You don't think <laughs> well, he's rightfully I, the favorite? Yeah, I just think it should be way closer. That he but is. Yeah. yeah. No, not the kind of yeah, favorite that he yeah. is, but like, do I you think him still, being the favorite is... Belt. Yeah. 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 Um, Interestingly enough, some, some good bets on there are, are combo ones. So you've got Islam to win by submission in rounds one or two. $4. I thought that would have been a lot lower. Oh. That, that, so if you are going to vote on Islam, it. they're the kind of they're the kind of bets that you want to go for. Because um, or yeah. win by a submission in rounds two or three, five fifty. Five fifty for yeah. rounds two or three. I mean, yeah, because I three. mean, the longer it goes, I think the more it favors folk. So, and, and also the more because and the uh, odds reflect that as well. Because mm -hmm. you know, Islam's yeah. uh, style in his last fights has been just go after the finish like early and often. Um, if if it gets into round Ooh. three, four, it means that he's been surviving and it's been getting frustrating for Islam to actually get his game plan going. So, all right, in the combo, in the combo, Alexander Volkanovsky to win by submission in rounds four or five, sixty-seven dollars. So, <laughs> don't bet individually on either round or four or five. Go the combo. Go him to win by submission in either rounds four or five because he's paying sixty-seven dollars. Sixty-seven. I don't have any because that's what I don't like about this website. Maybe the other one does it. They don't release all those odds until like a few days before the fight, like not the full props for me. So I yeah. cannot even see what I'm allowed to, what I'm going to be betting. In any so case, this one really surprises me. Oh, I guess not. I guess because Islam's the favorite, this makes a lot of sense. Will the fight go the distance? Mm -hmm. Yes, $2.47. No, $1.50. So I guess that makes sense because the odds are in the favor of Islam and they uh, 
they are suggesting an early early when finish. the last time? I'm looking at the last time he went to decision. Davi Ramos, 2019. Oh, Not that was the that Khabib. long ago. No, that's the Khabib Poirier uh, card. That's to UFC 242. So that that that's feels it. like yesterday, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the yesterday fight directly was the before that as well. What was it? Oh, the one before that was also a decision. A decision. Chris Wade yeah. again, like not the best competition. The one, the other decision was against Nick Lenz. Yeah, no, and Armin. So, to how do you say his last name? So we had Davy Ramos, and then oh, we had Armin. Armin yeah, that one. Well, he's he's talented. Now, but that, now uh, the pronunciation. Yeah. Armin. <laughs> so that was a decision That's how they say it. <laughs> Man, I'm looking at this again. I'm looking at his typology, and I'm not seeing the the level of competition that it takes to beat Volkanovski. Yeah, Am I? But man, this is again. Not... This is what I tell myself every single time, and then every single time he wins. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that wasn't against the pound for pound best. <laughs> again, yeah. So you know, and the Bobby Green one was just like, come on, that's my guy. I had to bet on him. <laughs> True, true. That's understandable. Yeah. But I didn't like actually, but I mean, it was five to one. I mean, I had to bet my guy. <laughs> understandable. Oh. Are there any prop bets? Because I was going to ask you about the uh, last thing. Uh, what's the prelim fight that you're looking forward to the most? What's a prelim fight that people should be watching? Oh, definitely the main uh, fight, the feature fight on the early prelims, Jack Jenkins. Mm -hmm. um, look, Jack Jenkins has just come off of his uh, contender series fight. It was on the last um, Dana White contender series for the last season. Um, got a contract. I, I just find it so funny. Um, Dana called him one dimensional and he was just a grappler, which is hilarious because Jack Jenkins has made a career out of breaking people's legs. He's broken <laughs> a few guys' legs and he is predominantly a stand-up fighter. He can wrestle. He can grapple. He's very good at that too. Um, he's very well-rounded, but he is he's a striker and he's a very good striker. And as I said, he's hes made a career out of breaking people's legs. Um, so, you know, the next sort of Justin Gaethje or um, Barboza. I'm looking at... Wait, let me see. Jack Jenkins against Don Shanus. Is that still the one? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that um, because also Jack Jenkins, I heard of him from you and, you know, when he was about to fight the on Contender Series. And, um, but I'm looking at the fight here, like the predictions on Typology, you know, 67% of the people are predicting him to get a TKO victory. <laughs> a KO, TKO victory. So, um, and, and by the way, now And Jack Jenkins are saying he'll win. Well, I was just going to... Yeah, well, he should. Uh, also, the the one thing that uh, Jack Jenkins has that uh, no one else has is he has a little secret weapon called Benny P. Hey, Benny um, P, yeah, legendary <laughs> Ben P. <laughs> legendary Ben P. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen uh, any of Jack Jenkins' uh, you know, social media, he went on a podcast, um, an Australian podcast, not too long ago talking about his contender series fight. And then the lead up to that fight, um, he got a random message from a guy um, called Benny P who had scrolled like had trawled the the web to find information on um, Jack's contender series opponent 
and he managed to track down some footage of, you know, this guy's fights from another country and um, sort of said, look, he's only one, he's only ever lost one fight. And in that one fight, he got split open really, really bad above his eye. And I reckon if you can touch him there, you'll be able to split him back open and win. And, um, and then Jack was sort of saying on the podcast that he, um, that's what he was thinking when he took the, the bloke down and he was thinking about what Benny P said to him. Um, and he elbowed the guy in the face and split him open. And um, he obviously got the, the finish in that fight as well and got himself a contract. But um, if we could all have um, some film study done by Benny P., Maybe we'd all have a UFC contract. I think Ben Bempi is uh, secretly like one of the brightest minds in combat sports that needs to be hired by the best fighters, you know, to find those little <laughs> things that the coaches are overlooking. Because Ben P uh, made me a lot of money. <laughs> my <laughs> last, uh, uh, probably like the last or one of the last legs of my parlay. I had a big contender series parlay. I had $25 on it to win $750. And Jack Jenkins by stoppage, by finish, was like the last leg, I think, of that parlay. So... Thank you a lot, Benny P. I enjoyed that money. It came in handy in California because it's expensive as hell out there. <laughs> and uh, just to, to wrap up that story, um, the the good Aussie bloke that Jack Jenkins is, he, uh, he made sure to help out Benny P be able to get his tickets to go to uh, UFC oh, that's in Perth. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Aussie. That's typical. That's 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 great. That's, great bloke. That's typical. Yeah, great <laughs> good bloke. guy. Yeah. So, Jack Jenkins. Uh, he's going to break the legs of this opponent, someone to watch, contender series, you know. And like a lot of these and several of these contender series uh, people have been getting, uh, are getting the shine here on this card, on this pay-per-view. Well, not the pay-per-view portion of the card, but uh, for me, it would be Shannon. Um, Shannon Ross. Shannon yeah. Ross. That's what, why did I think Shannon Ross? Like for some reason I was like in my head that's an actor, but it's not. <laughs> Shannon Ross because... Uh, on the losing end of a fight where he was extremely sick, right? It was like he was dealing. What was oh, he dealing incredibly with? Incredibly sick. Yeah, I think he had like a twisted uh, bowel or something. Or yeah, was he? But was so. I, I think was he the favorite then too to win at uh, on contender series. But um, yeah, I can't remember if he was the favorite. Um, I think he was the yeah. underdog. Either way, so Shannon Ross came up to contender series and he was fighting. I think he was the underdog too, and that's what made it even more incredible. And he was super extremely like extremely sick, dealing with the illness during the fight as well. And and it was like this massive back and forth where he also got dropped and then just came back and then it was like he showed definitely his, far how tough he was. Yeah, is it was just and such a good fight. He had to have emergency surgery, so after the fight he In got rushed to immediately. Hospital yeah. And, uh, not yeah, he, because of like injuries his... from the fight. It's like he was rushed no, to the hospital again. Move. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, and he was, yeah, severely in a lot of pain, obviously, when he had that fight. And he was like, no, this is my one shot. And, um, you know. So rightfully, um, which never happens, like Dana White offered the losing fighter a contract, you know, given the circumstances and just like the story just blew up on the internet too, which gained, the, gained him a lot of attention. So again, another contender series guy that I'm looking forward to because also I like the way he showed himself and if he can show himself always... in that way, like considering the circumstances, imagine how he's going to look now. Like, Yeah, when he's healthy. Uh, healthy. And, and, and yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, one other thing to, to point out too, I did mention um, obviously the night before the UFC, um, the Australian promotion Eternal is on. Now, a lot of these guys we've been talking about that have recently gotten onto the Contender Series and now making waves in the UFC, they've all come from Eternal. They've mm-hmm. all been the Eternal champ. So the two Jacks, Jack Jenkins, Jack Della Maddalena, and Shannon Ross as well. So um, it's really cool to see them oh. all kind of on that same journey of come from being champs um, in that particular Australian promotion and now coming through winning themselves contracts and doing it in such a fashion as Shannon Ross did, showing his how tough he is and, you know, how he wasn't going to lose his one shot even though he was in incredible pain and, you know, he was very, um, very sick. So still paid off. Yeah. 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 And and so uh, Australian crowds, uh, do you guys feel like, does the arena already feel like extremely full by the time like the first fight starts? Is it like, cause some countries in some places it is in some places it's not, you know, it's, it depends. Yeah. It, well, it kind of depends. Uh, I feel like on the arena, because um, the arena that say like Rousey, Holm, and um, uh, Izzy, Rob were in was a giant stadium, and so that obviously stadium, that's yeah. the stadium. Yeah, yeah, um, it's Marvel Stadium. Um, now that oh. one is gigantic, um, yeah. and so that that's why those two pay per views um, events in that same arena in Australia hold the two record for the most, the biggest crowds at Mm -hmm. them because so it's hard because it takes so long to actually get in and find the seats because it is just such a giant place. Um, And then you've got people getting up and going, getting food in between fights and that kind of stuff. So I think sort of at those bigger ones, it probably doesn't look quite as full as early but generally the majority of the crowd is there pretty early on um like australia is die hard for these events and it's the ufc doesn't come to australia very often so everybody wants to soak in every second of fights that they can the only sort of barrier is how long it takes to potentially get inside and get to your seat and um because they're quite big now the rac arena is nowhere near the same size as the marvel Mm-hmm. stadium so um there's still going to be thousands and thousands of people um there just won't be quite as many um yeah, yeah. but i will say the atmosphere when holly home kicked ronda rousey in the face in an arena <laughs> in front of a record-breaking crowd was insane that that, um, that you could feel through the screen already like when i watched the re- the what's it the fight back or the highlights again like it's you already feel it so I can only imagine yeah. what it was in the arena. It was insane. What Absolutely insane. Everybody was just like up on their chairs too and then jumping up and down. And it was it was deafening. It was a very, very much a, a moment in history that I will never forget because I had oh, yeah. um, amazing seats or for, for that event as well. So were you were you already fighting then? No, no, no right. I hadn't started fighting yet. No, no, I was still just a fan. Yeah, and now you're in it. <laughs> now I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel, but on a different end of it. So, like, um, how is it? What what is coming up for you? Let's let's like end on that. <laughs> uh, what's coming up for me? Yeah, oh, it's a big year. It's a big year ahead. So obviously, last year, 
uh, managed to become a world champion in the featherweight division. We've got the oh, wrong side. Yeah, that's the gamma gold medal just there. Thank yep. You. So yeah, became a world champion, won a Ooh. title, world title um, in the featherweight division. Now I'll probably never fight in the featherweight division again. But this year, um, I'm still amateur. Um, 2023 holds some really big goals. So. This year, I'm going to try and do something that's incredibly rare in MMA before I finish my amateur career or to, to round out my amateur career. I'm going to try and become a triple weight division champion, which is insane. So um, so that, that includes my next the fight, gamma? It's featherweight? That includes the gamma. Okay, yeah, that's feather. Then, yeah. My, my next fight coming up is for bantamweight title. Um. Not a world title, but still bantamweight title. And then um, I'll be making my debut at um, flyweight, and that will also be for a title fight. Um, and seeing if I can bring home the the trifecta um, be before, perfect. yeah, yeah, it would be pretty crazy. Um, obviously, that's a a huge weight range, um, as fe- featherweight is. 65.8 bantamweight is 61.2 and this is in kilos um but yeah. flyweight is 56.7 wow. so <laughs> that's a that's a that's a huge range that's nearly 10 kilos so Man. um yeah big 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 task ahead um we'll, we'll see how we go but I'm looking to do something super, super, duper rare in uh, mixed martial arts, and uh, that will be to round out my amateur career. And then for the second half of 2023, the goal is to go pro and go pro. ride the wave and see if uh, I can get to a point where I'll be on the next uh, UFC card in Australia. So Hopefully in, uh, closer to home, not to Perth. <laughs> That's either way i don't think you'll be picky yeah. about it once it once it happens no know? of course yeah. not of course not and uh, maybe you go through <laughs> the contender series routes as well so and then people yeah. already know plenty, your story. plenty of goals yeah oh, that's amazing that's amazing no i hope i hope it yeah. for you i know you can do it though you have the you have the mindset for it and like i've seen you you know up close winning that gamma title i was there you know throughout the whole week and um i know how you're putting it all together now fight dietitian <laughs> A big testament to him for you, you know, being able to get at least that that flyweight title. That'll be a big testament to them as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I use uh, Ryan, so he's part of the fight dietitian team, but his yeah. actual name is the dojo dietitian because they all have mm-hmm. slightly um, different names. But yeah, that's been a been a huge thing. It's so crazy. Um, I did put a, up a story um, on Instagram a few days ago about a photo from you know five years ago. Um, when I'd started training and, and stuff and I was like the fittest and leanest and strongest mm-hmm. that I'd ever been. And then I was like, wow, that was more than 10 kilos ago. Um, well and truly more than um, 10 kilos ago of what I'm like walking around at, at the moment now. So it's so crazy how like your body changes and um, yeah, what you can get out of it and what you can do, especially when you've got, a good team around you and uh you invest in in finding the right people to assist you so yeah 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 
Yeah, and like, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep letting him know that you're the one that sent me every time I send my fighters there. So <laughs> they're, they're getting, they're gonna get a lot of business soon. Like they're starting to get it already. So, but that's also a thanks, thanks to you and your loyalty. So, yeah, they, they, re they really have it down to a science. I'm just amazed every time. And, and yeah, the way they run their social media is just. Uh, I, I, I've seen so many fighters like recently post either dojo dietitian, fight dietitian, like just those clips they make because they just make it really interesting and accessible it's a good marketing tactic so just wanted to shout them interesting out for that. accessible and simple like they don't yeah. overcomplicate things like they read all the science but then mm -hmm. they try and make the information that they provide as simple as possible and they're not hiding anything it's not like you know they're going to do something and not allow you to learn and know how to do mm -hmm. it and they're like like they want to give people the resources um yeah you know you know, if you wanted to do something with them and then you do something with them for a while and you learn enough that you don't need them anymore, that's great. They're not going to keep secrets from you or be like, no, I'm going to send you a rehydration drink because I don't want to teach you what you should be drinking kind of thing, you know, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's no secrets. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think, yeah, when we were already in the, just in the talking phase, uh, I was given like, um, a brochure or some sort of a recipe as well i think that was like part of it already because we had interacted you know i think yeah, it was well, just like I mean, provided for it. free as well there's heaps of and free resources that they're putting out there podcasts and like recipe books and like info like there's there's so much out there and they're making sure that people are able to access the correct information because there is so much out there that people sometimes can feel like they're drowning in information mm-hmm and then the affordable packages as well. It's, yeah. I think that just the lowest one was like 45 U um, Australian dollars, which is like 30 US dollars, by the way, per week. So it's very affordable for the type of work they do. Trust me, like, look it up, guys. Uh, if you're a fighter, um, AMI or pro, whatever, they have packages for everyone. So, and. Um, or even if you're not a fighter, they actually do nutrition for anyone, any sport or even just a regular person. Um, obviously there's not as much involved um, with a regular person or maybe some particular sports or whatever, but you don't actually have to be a fighter to contact them for if you need help or assistance or guidance. So there keep in mind that as well. All right, there we go. That's, that's the yeah. best problem they can have. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Danielle, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm looking forward to this event. Actually got a lot more hyped while we're doing this. So. Um, because I just started to realize just how small the details are between a lot of these fights, uh, all the storylines that can come out of it, you know, always. And oh, absolutely. And just how many upsets can happen. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I should have done a, uh, I should have had a look at what, um, what the, the return would be if you were to bet on every single Australian on the card. Oh, that's what I should, that's what I should do. I'm about to do that and then I'll send it to you <laughs> after. <laughs> Just like to win straight up. Yeah, so if yeah. we go Jack Jenkins, Jamie Malarkey, Shannon Ross, Josh Coulibau, Tyson Pedro, Justin Taffer, um, Jimmy Croup, Croup, Jack Della Maddalena, and Volkanovsky, that would be a nine-leg multi paying $167.08. Are we going to do it? Has it ever happened? Someone should look this put, up if this is one dollar on it. Yeah. Probably not. But in saying that, though, I think one of the Australian UFC events that I went to a fight night was one of the first 
cards in UFC history that not a single fight went to the judges. That was a that was a crazy day. Every single fight was a finish. Um, I think that one of the UFC Londons had the same thing. Yeah. Again, it goes to say when there is a loud crowd in places where the UFC doesn't go as often as although London is like becoming a frequent thing. Um. You're going to get a lot of finishes. I think if fighters are extra hyped, put done. on a show, they want to get it done. And they both, they either take risks and both fighters are taking risks. Both fighters put defense out the window, you know, like half the time. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, awesome. let's put out, so as usual, uh, before the fight happens, probably the, the day before the odds, well, not the odds, but like our picks, my picks will come out. Do you actually want to do... Maybe we should do it this time. Maybe we should have drop bears picks and my picks, like just parlays and stuff like that. Like, what are you betting on? What even if you're not betting it, just put it out. <laughs> well, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll have a think. If you about want, maybe what like I, one, maybe one uh, parlay, like you know, one drop bear parlay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about putting a dollar on this nine leg multi. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. That could be the one. <laughs> Uh, actually, I think I'm going to put uh, put five bucks on that um, that bet for Volk for a submission in rounds four or five, the one that was paying $67. Man, unfortunately, I don't have I don't that know prop. if it'll happen, but... But <laughs> I could I could bet like, so five on and round four and five on round five submission, something like that. True. I'll try True. it out. Why not? I'll just go off of it. I really was hoping, so for some of the really big events sports but and it might just be because we're still uh just over a week away from the fight um so some of the other fights don't have all of the different odds up yet mm-hmm. but usually when um there's a really 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 big main event on so usually like a corner fight or something like that um sports back sports bet actually do a um create your own bet and so you everybody sends in what they think what they want to bet on um mm-hmm. and sports bet makes odds for them so it could be anything like, so for example, some of the Connor fights where Connor will walk out with an Irish flag. Mm-hmm. Connor will do the money, the millionaire strut. Um, you know, Connor won't touch gloves, or like the the yeah. fighters won't touch gloves, or it'll be like there'll be a certain amount of knockdowns in the whole fight, and it will end in a submission, or it'll be you know. Um, it's like one of those like could be it could be anything. Some of those yeah. that people usually have to request at the bookies, you know, like specific odds for. Yeah, yeah. So anyone could sort of ask, and like all the top few hundred of them, they sort of add. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's like crazy ones, you know, absolutely crazy ones, and some of the craziest longest odds you've ever seen, you know, where it's like. Um, this person's going to jump in the cage after the fight and call someone out or something else, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping that they would do that for this event. Um, but, you know, you never know. I'll keep an eye on it and see if maybe okay. that's something that happens closer to the fight, but it might not. It'll come um, out. If it's a, if it's an Aussie website, I mean, it's probably going to have to happen for this one as well. <laughs> but that, that I don't know. I just with... But yeah, it definitely usually happens closer. And also, as I said, usually with the ones that have gotten like crazy big hype. Um, so that's why I'm kind of like, well, maybe it won't happen for this one just because um, as we talked about at the start, the yeah. UFC and the media aren't hyping this up at all. Like how crazy. I don't get it. I don't get it. No, me either. Do you have a crazy prediction? Like, what was something you would want to add if you've already thought about it? Like as a as a crazy prop bet like that, like what's something 
you think should be there? <laughs> uh, Volk winning and calling out Khabib to come back. <laughs> something like that that would be it would be like yeah it would be his sense of humor for sure i mean khabib is not going to be well he might be in attendance he's not going to be in the corner so no no which, he's not going to um, be in attendance at all no i wonder if you'll yeah. ever if if people are just going to start like dim dismissing if volk wins like any of his any credits to be like oh islam's first fight without khabib in the corner well, no, because he's fought without Khabib but before. It's been a while. Like, I mean, like this, like yes, long, he's long obviously time, been yeah. there for the last few. Yeah. Yeah. And how many people are just not going to give him his flowers? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's the thing. Uh, Volk did speak on um, Hawani's show, sort of saying, like, remember how much you're talking him up. Remember how much you think he's, you know, the favorite. Um, and when I beat him, don't take that away from me. Don't give, don't you dare like mm. give any excuses. Oh, he, you know, he didn't have Khabib or, oh, well, he never really was that good. He's like, remember all these things you're saying about him and you remember that yeah. when I beat him um, and don't take that away from me. And I was like, yeah, what an attitude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what an attitude I mean, exactly. Because like uh, if Islam wins, like people are just going to brush it off as if it's just any win. They're, they're not even yeah. going to give him that much credit, I think which is also crazy probably not yeah um yeah and if volk wins everyone's gonna be like oh see he sh he hasn't fought anyone of significance yet <laughs> except charles and that was his only first one you yeah know, then like, either way i feel like nobody's gonna win as big as they as they, as they deserve you know yeah so maybe yeah, that's why the hype is kind of like less on this fight even though it is the biggest fight <laughs> yeah maybe because either which way this like someone's stocks are going down yeah like it's kind of a lose-lose as well as you know it's a win-win to put the event on but potentially a lose-lose in terms of what happens next um mm -hmm. for one of them because they both got big markets of fans behind them so yeah maybe maybe that's got something to do with it it all unfolds next saturday this saturday this coming saturday basically Except if you're in Australia, in which in which case it's actually Sunday. <laughs> actually, Sunday you know morning. what? In Europe, it's also Sunday because it's going to be US time, so it's going to be in the morning hours. <laughs> so Sunday for both country for both uh, continents in the US, it's going to be Saturday, which is wild. Um, and it all unfolds, and it's going to be electrifying. And I think the hype afterwards is going to be way, way, way bigger than the hype that's going in before. So <laughs> stay tuned. Hopefully, magic happens. Absolutely. Thank Hopefully, you. a historic event, historic moment in time for the UFC. I sent a lot of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> hey, have a good one. You too. Thank you.